0: what I should preach before we continue the book of Galatians. But before that, I thought just for a one-off, because this is the first Sunday of the year, I'd like to speak right into our hearts. I'd like to joke you a little. I'd like to provoke your thinking. I'd like to ask you one question and that is this. What what's going to help you survive this year spiritually? What is the one thing you've got to put in place to anchor your soul, so to speak? Because the world as we find it, you will have enough grief this year. I'm not wishing you bad, not at all. But life as it is, there will be hardship, there will be discouragement, there will be disappointments. But I'd like for us to anchor on one thought at the beginning of this year. This, after all, is the very first Sunday of 2014. So I'm going to speak from what I believe God would have us listen very carefully. So I'd like to ask Emily if she would come and read to us from Romans chapter 9. Romans 9. From Emily: Emily. Um, Romans chapter 9 verses
1: 6 through 21. But it is not as though the word of God has failed and he hardens, whomever he wills. You will say to me then, why does he still find fault? For who can resist his will? But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Well, what does molded say to its molder? Why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use?
0: I've kind of set the tone, I believe, both from what I said before the reading of this passage and the reading of this passage. The thing is this, December 31st, 2014 will find you where? I thought a lot about it myself. December 31st, 2014 will either find you in a very good place, bright place, encouragement, blessings. You could very well find some of you in a very dark place, a place of despair, a place of bitterness, dissatisfaction, disappointment. It could work out either way. Of course, it could lie in between. It could be a pale place, a gray place, neither bad nor good. But whatever it is, what's going to make a difference with how you're going to cope with what is in store for you? See, we all stand this morning on the very first page of a new calendar. We all do. And undoubtedly, you will face what you will face. I'm not a prophet, so I know nothing of what you will face. But it is in God. Remember Psalms 139.17 I think? All the days of my life are written in your book before one of them ever came to be. And so December 31st is a day that has already been written in God's book. He knows what it is for you. But the question is this. How you survive this year? will very much depend on who your God is. That's why knowing God is huge. And that's why Becker wrote an entire book, Knowing God. Knowing God is everything. So much will depend on who your God is and who you believe your God to be. Now let me start by putting it this way, and this is to my shame that I say this. For several years in my own ministry back home in Malaysia, I believed in free will, and I taught free will. And because I taught apologetics with regards to the problem of evil, I dwell a lot on free will. Looking back now, older and wiser, I could not find one single verse that supports that, (laughs) strange as it may sound. Indeed, I keep coming across one verse after another that speaks of God's sovereignty. And the passage is as good as any. the passage that has just read out If you keep your finger on the text, if you look at verse 11, that's very strange, though Jacob and Esau were not yet born, and therefore couldn't have committed any crime, couldn't have done anything wrong, either good or bad. Look at verse 11. though Jacob and Esau were not yet born and, and had done nothing good or evil. In order that God's purpose for election may continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls, Rebecca was told, the older will serve the younger. For it is written, Jacob I loved, Esau I hated. Even before Esau was born, God already hated him. And even before Jacob was born, God already set his eyes to love him. How could I have missed that? How could I have missed that? Right from the start, Esau, the older, will be subservient to the younger. Now this opens up a whole can of worms on the question of the justice of God. How could God be a just God, when before any one of these could have done anything wrong, one was already greatly loved, cherishing, treasured, And the other hate and frowned upon. Well, verse 14 gives us the answer. Hate on. Verse 14 gives us the answer. Hate on. What shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? And he says, by no means. I will have mercy on whom I have mercy. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Now, this brings up the whole question of the irresistible will of God. And verse nineteen brings this up. Why does he still find fault? For who can resist his will? And Paul again gives us the answer in verse twenty one has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use. Now people hearing a letter like that get really hot under the collar. They get they, they fume with anger. They shake a feast at God. Why would God be a God of this nature that even before we could do anything wrong or even contemplate doing anything wrong, we are already hated or loved? We are already considered as vessels of mercy to be found in heaven or vessels of wrath to be found in hell, already predetermined right from the start. One gets really hot under the collar coming across a verse like that. You feel violated. You feel that your rights have been stripped from you. You feel that everything that you will try to build around you will either come to everything or come to nothing has all been decided ahead of time. You feel that God is God and He will make something out of you whatever He makes out of you. But the brutal reality is this, you either embrace this or you reject it. And whether you embrace this wholeheartedly, humbly, in a submissive way, or whether you defy and fight against it, will determine how you survive four. really. This is the basic question, is God in control? Or is the world spinning randomly, without rhyme or reason? is your world in the hand of God or is your world in the mercy of some random chance, circumstance that will inevitably unfold in this year 201 I believe now more ever strongly than before that if you do not believe that God is sovereign that he ordains Every day of 2014, you have more than enough reason to despair when you come to the end of this year. But I also believe that life, hard as it is, with all its seductions and temptations to be unfaithful, so many things can go wrong with your job, with your relationships, with your health. And this is the reason why many people despair even Christians, because many of us have a God who is too small. And this is why J.D. Flicks wrote the book, Your God is Too Small. And he's right, many of us have a small God, tiny, winnie God. Many of us have such a God. We say we believe that God is sovereign. And of course you will say that. If I should ask you now, is God sovereign? You will say, yes, of course he is. But do you live day by day and think God is truly sovereign? When J.I. Packer was asked which teaching in the Bible most Christians don't really believe in their daily lives, without so much as giving it a second thought, he says, I don't think enough Christians believe deeply enough in the sovereignty of God. We say we believe it, but we still live our lives as if everything depended on us rather than on Him. I think Panka is right there. So the most basic question you need to ask yourself and I need to ask myself at the start of this new year is this, is God truly in control? Does God really always orchestrate every single event in my life for my ultimate good? Romans 8.28 will, will, will respond with a resounding, solid yes. For all things work for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to His purpose. In fact, Paul, Paul is so fully persuaded of God's sovereignty that he says, give thanks in all circumstances. 1 Corinthians, 1 Thessalonians 5.18 Now, you don't give thanks for something that you know is ultimately bad. You don't. So to give God thanks for everything, it will mean that you hold strongly to the sovereignty of God. Because even if a severe grief comes your way, you're going to give thanks. Because you know that ultimately God's going to turn that around for good. Paul sees God's hand in everything. Paul sees God's hand behind every event of life. Now the Bible repet- repeatedly affirms that God is totally sovereign over all things. Major, major theme in the Bible. How could I have gone all over the country? Which I did as a lecturer for the Bible, Malaysian Bible Seminary. As a lecturer of that seminary we were needed to do some traveling to Promote the college and everywhere I went, I was teaching the free will of human people. Look, it's all over the place. This is what the prophet Isaiah says. And what a breathtaking statement this is. He says, God sits enthroned above the circles of the earth. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy. He spreads them out like a tent to live in. The nations are like a drop in a bucket. The people are like grasshoppers. He reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. They are like dust in the wind. He blows on them and they disappear. They are here to walk today, gone tomorrow. And even the mightiest rulers last only a few years. He prances on stage, does his thing, and then disappears. This is Isaiah 40. This must have been taken from the message, I think, Eugene Peterson. God is totally, completely, absolutely sovereign over all the affairs of human people. Nothing happens outside God's control. Nothing. Not one event happens outside God's control. God never says, oops, I never see that coming. Never. God never says that. All things happen in accordance to God's great sovereign plan. He rules over all things. He gives people their food, They open their hands and He fills them, when He hides their face, they are confounded, they are thrown into confusion. Now listen to this, when He takes away their breath, they die. We started our worship service at 10 o'clock this morning, until this point when I'm speaking how many thousands of people all over the world would have perished would have died and every single one of them have been cut down by God's sovereign will when he takes away their breath they die that's Psalm 104, 29 see your very existence is in the hands of the sovereign will of God but there's more God may allow people to defy his revealed will but he never allows anyone to act contrary to his sovereign will let me explain he says in his revealed will which you can defy thou shalt not steal that's a revealed will of God you and I defy that you could go out of the church is over and shoplift somewhere in Kmart, not that I'm asking you to do so, but you could. You could defy God's revealed will, but His sovereign will that no one can defy. Proverbs 16, 9, a man plans his way, but the Lord directs his path. No way you can escape that. Proverbs 19:21. many are the plans in the minds of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will be established in the end. No running away from that. Proverbs 21:30. no wisdom, no understanding, no counsel can avail against the Lord. Nothing can be stacked up against Him. But I like Lamentations 3, 17 the best. Who can speak and let it happen? unless the Lord has decreed it. Big trouble in Malaysia right now as I speak. My heart cries for my own land. This morning as we meet here, the church over there has been embroiled in huge problems with the ruling government who prohibits the use of the word Allah by Christians But Christians are strong and they are standing up and insisting that that is the proper word to address God. And so all sorts of idiots are being passed. All sorts of decrees are being passed. But I take comfort in Lamentation 3.31. Who can speak and let it happen unless the Lord has decreed it? The point I want to drive home is this, if God is Sovereign, you are really the safest place you can ever be, if you are in His will. Let me say it again, it's such a profound truth, if God is Sovereign, then you, this morning, you are in the safest place you can possibly be, if you are found in God's will. For one thing we all live in a world that is cruel and none of us is despair. But the Bible teaches that God is sovereign over what people may do to you. If you do not believe this, you will despair because you'll believe that your welfare is in the hands of your boss, your manager, other people. You'll feel that people who have power over you have the power to shape you Some government officials, for example, who exercise the ultimate right, whether to grant you a visa or to deny you the visa to visit a country. A professor whose position you feel will determine your future. An employer, a boss, a manager. You imagine that you are in the mercy of the hands of people, but you're not. No one, no single human person can touch you in any way unless God sanctions it. If God is sovereign, you are not, you are never, you are never ever at the mercy of any single human person. Because God rules over their decisions, over you. Proverbs 21, 1, the king's heart is in the hand of God. Like the rivers of water, he turns it whenever he wills. And this includes the decision by people to intentionally harm you. It includes that. Even in such an event, God will use their evil intention to accomplish good in your life. You know, there are many people who will willfully hurt you or destroy you, willfully, intentionally, but no one frustrates God's purpose for you. No one. Felix couldn't do anything to Paul, you remember that? Felix couldn't do anything to Paul which God didn't permit. Acts 24, and Joseph, you all know that so well, his brothers conspired to act maliciously against him, sold him into slavery and Potiphar, Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him and failing which conspired in such a way that he would ended up in prison. But you know something, God was there all along in the life of Joseph. All along, watching, guiding, preparing, God was all along in total control of every step in Joseph's life. How do we know this? Because years later, he turned to his brothers and he says to them, You didn't send me here, God sent me here. Genesis 45, 8. And then he added this, You meant evil for me, but God meant it for good. So, God can take evil things that men do to you and turn it around for good. Because God is sovereign, nothing can touch you that is not in line with the purpose of God. People may plot against you, but every plot they hatch against you inevitably, inevitably has got to be passed through the will of God. And God either permits them to do you in, or He restrains them. But whether God permits them to do you in, or whether He restrains them, one thing you may know for sure, all things work for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Quite often the troubles you go through are tools that God uses to bring you to the place where He wants to bring you to. So God's sovereignty over people does not mean that no harm will come to you. It does not mean that. But it does mean that God is in control over your suffering and over your pain. And He also has in mind a beneficial purpose for you at the end. So for a child of God, there is no such thing as pain without purpose. No such thing. For a child of God, every pain has a wonderful divine purpose. And some of you listening to me this morning, you're going through some pain. Some family members whose actions really grieve you. Someone you love who's just walked right all over you, taken you for granted. An employer perhaps, a spouse, a sibling. God's using all that grief in your heart to bring about something beautiful however irrational, however inexplicable some of the sufferings may seem to you the pain you're now going through is intended by God purposefully, intentionally for something beautiful because He's sovereign now God's sovereignty covers small things as well as big things nothing is so great, so huge, so big that it escapes God's sovereign will over it. Take our Lord's trial, for example. Pilate turns to our Lord Jesus, and Pilate says... <laughs> Stupid man, isn't it?" He says to the Lord, Do you not know that I have the power either to crucify you or to let you go? Now you, you all know Jesus' reply. Jesus, turn around, quick as a flash, and says to him, you have no power unless it be given to you from above. It shows that huge things, big things, God is sovereign. But it also means that small things, tiny things, God is also sovereign. Well, as we began worship service to this point in time, In the deep forest, a few birds would have fallen and died. But God knows the fall of every sparrow. Nothing too small for him. Spurgeon, Spurgeon drives this to its logical conclusion. Spurgeon says you wake up in the morning, you rip open your curtain of your bedroom, and the sun streams in, and you take your blanket and you, you know, you flick your blanket and you see thousands of dust moons. What's that? Dust moons. What are dust moons. You know that. They dance. Every particle of dust dances in the sunbeam. And Spurgeon says, "The status of every dance is choreographed by God the Father." Spurgeon goes to say that every leaf that falls in the forest, God ordains the timing of every single leaf. And God ordains the nature of the fall of every leaf. He choreographs their dance. God, sovereign over small things as well as large things. Every day, through the most ordinary circumstance of life, God is totally in control. Hour by hour, Day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, decade by decade, century by century, God is watching over every circumstance of life, without fanfare, but quietly, deliberately, purposefully, to bring all things to be. How wrong it is when human people conclude that their lives run on a cause that has no rhyme or reason. How very wrong how very wrong? God threads and weaves every event in your life. And I mean that, every single event in your life to bring you to where He desires to bring you. Scripture says we are all each called according to His purpose. And that He orchestrates every event in your life to fulfill His purpose. Now let me speak to your heart here. If you're going through what appears to be a hopeless situation right now in your life, whether it be job, career, a future relationship, or health, and you're finding great difficulty, you're right now not very happy, either in terms of health, or relationships, or jobs, you need to know one thing. And this is the one thing you need to know. And that is this. Not one single plane of God for you can be frustrated. Not one. When God draws up his plane for you before the foundation of this world, every single one of those planes that they plan out for you will come to pass. Will come to pass. Not a plan of God will be frustrated. In the midst of all his suffering, Job looked up. And what did Job say? I know that you can do all things. And that no purpose of yours will be thwarted. Remember that? Job 42.2. I know that you can do all things. And not a single purpose of yours will be thwarted. And that's a beautiful verse, if you haven't come across it, Job forty-two-two. Job is saying, not a single thing that God has planned for you will ever be thwarted. And God's promise is worked out in the most minute day-to-day events of your life. You remember the book of Esther? Now let me refresh your memory if you have not... Uh, read the book of Esther, or if you have, you have read it for so long ago now, you have forgotten. But remember in the book of Esther, the Jews were to be exterminated, the Jews were to be exterminated, they they were to be wiped out, had it not for the fact that the king got drunk. And if the king hadn't got drunk, Vashti would stay on as the queen, And we would never have heard of the name Esther. But there is more. If Mordecai hadn't heard the two men talking to assassinate the king and let the king know, Esther would not have become queen. And had the king not forgotten to reward the two men for saving his life, Esther wouldn't have become queen. And if the king had rewarded Mordecai on the very day, that, uh, rewarded the two men brother, on the very day that, that the two men helped to expose the assassination plot, Esther wouldn't have become queen. And if the king didn't have insomnia, couldn't go to bed that night, and begin to put all things together Esther wouldn't have become queen and therefore all the Jews would never have been saved now why am I saying this? I'm saying this to drive from the point that in human terms every single daily event of your life doesn't look significant really, it doesn't you go to shops, you buy some things, you come back they're not significant each one each little one doesn't mean anything but if you look back cumulatively at all those events stacking up you'll be able to say wow god led me to this to that to this and now i'm here we all look at big events and say wow god is working in my life like the parting of the Red Sea, you say, Whoa, God is at work. Or the fire coming down and licking up the sacrifice in Mount Carmel, You say, Oh God is at work. Or the ten plagues in Egypt. You say, Oh, God is at work. But a king having in Sonia couldn't go to bed that night. You could say, Whoa, God is at work. You wouldn't say that. You couldn't see God's hand in it. Really. Which one of you, when you pick up a wallet that a man has dropped, and running after him to give it back to him and say, oh God is at work something happening here you wouldn't but God is at work in that event one of the most helpful commentaries you could ever buy King 4.4 I'll say that again one of the most helpful commentaries you could ever buy for the book of Esther is this little commentary by Karen Jobes, J-O-B-E-S. Karen Jobs. Karen Jobs was a computer science person. She was a computer science person. She worked at computer science. But there came a time in her life when she was so obsessed with finding God's will for her life. She was trying to figure out what God wanted her to do really in life. She was looking for signs. She was trying to make all the right decisions. She was getting counsel from people. She was afraid of missing out on God's will. You know something? Today she is professor of New Testament in Greek and exegesis at Wheaton College and she holds a PhD in Biblical Hermeneutics from Westminster, Theological Center in Philadelphia and she has an Endowed Chair. Now, how did she get from working behind the desk as a computer science person to being a professor of New Testament at Wheaton College? How did she get there now? She'll tell you how she got there. She'll tell you about a hundred ordinary incidences. All work to get her to where she is today. If this hadn't happened, that wouldn't have happened. If that didn't happen, that wouldn't have happened. Now at that moment when it happened, it looked ordinary. But now looking back, she could say, if I wasn't at that spot in that time, if that person hadn't been called, if this person hadn't fallen sick, if my car hadn't broken down, every single moment, every single event, they looked pretty ordinary. Pretty ordinary, but now looking back, she could stack them up together and say, God led me step by step to where I am. She's trying, she's trying to tell us. This. She's trying to tell us this is Karen Jobs. She's trying to tell us that when God works in this ordinary circumstances of life, you don't see. It. But when God works in extraordinary ways through fire and storm and wind and water, you say God is there. But when God works in an ordinary way, a visit from someone, a letter you receive in the mail, a chance meeting with someone in the petrol station, you think God is not there. But He's there. God is in every single event in your life to lead you. Where he has planned for you. And Karen Jobs wrote a commentary on Esther to tell us that the book of Esther is teaching us that God is totally sovereign in every circumstance of life to bring us to where he wants to bring us. If you believe this, you will be a happy person on December 31st, 2014, regardless of having lost this person in your life or having lost some huge precious thing in your life doesn't matter because you know that God is working step by step to bring you to where you are but if you, on the contrary, do not believe in the sovereignty of God 31st December 2014 will find you very grievous because you can't see God's hand in your life let's not just say that we believe in God's sovereignty let's truly believe that God is sovereign and if God is sovereign you will not despair and if God is sovereign you can bear all kinds of suffering and if God is sovereign you will have confidence and courage you will not despair because you know God is at work God always knows best He knows what is good for you. So no matter what this year holds for you, it's going to get stacked up to get you to the place that God has in store for you. Believe in God's sovereignty, please. And not just say, God is sovereign, but believe. And you will have health, and you will have strength. Not physical health, spiritual health, vigor. on. shall we pray? Our Father, thank you for reminding us this morning that nothing happens by chance. There is no such thing as luck. There is no such thing as coincidences. There is no such thing as chance. Everything that happens and everything that will happen is all orchestrated by you will be orchestrated by you. And so, Father, we thank you that we are safe in your hands. We are secure. We are set about by a thorn of a, a hedge of thorns around us. And your purpose for us will be fulfilled. Just help us to keep faith. Just help us to go and trust in you, we pray. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.